0: It's time for Lickin' on Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us.
1: Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646
0: 716 4972. Now, here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Monday, April 4th. past April 1st. I hope you survived that successfully on Friday with all the jokes that were going on. Several tried to be pulled on me, but didn't work at a great time. But again, good to have you with us. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. And we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. And we are hearing some great places people are listening to us from, but we're so grateful to have our expanding audience. And several people have said we're the number one podcast when it comes to the industry we cover. i like to think so, but we're grateful to have you here. Today, we're going to call it a Jack Attack. This week, we have as our special guest, Jack Connick. He's Executive Director of Government Affairs at Wiener Brodsky, Eider. And we're going to be discussing changes in D.C., the new administration that has made leadership of the various federal agencies that impact the mortgage lending and what effects that we'll have as we look forward to this year and what's going on. I sat and listened to Jack Connick and Brian Montgomery do a presentation in Phoenix about a month ago, and I so thought... Really enjoyed it. I said, I've got to get both of these guys on the podcast. So we finally caught up with Brian, working on getting him on. But Jack is here this week and can't wait to share some of the insights that he shared with us. Folks, we are in different times than we've ever seen ourselves. So you got to stay tuned for the hot topic, because we're going to cover a lot of that. Also joining me, of course, is my co-host, Jack Nunnery. So tense the Jack attack. Mr. Nunnery, always fun to have you on the podcast. Good to have you joining in. Let's go on. Industry City can probably be a part of Industry Syndicate. They do a great job with promoting a number of podcasts out there. We're part of them and we're grateful that they promote us. So check out all the podcasts at syndicate.com. Also, our sponsors are the Mortgage Bankers Association of America as well as Finastra Mortgage Bot Solution, which has robust features such as user-defined groups for processors, underwriters, and closers. Some great stuff. Go listen to the interview we did back on March 7th with Chris Zingo. He's Managing Director, President of the Americas. Like everything from North America to South America and everything in between. Between. Also the two co-ops, Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative, both of these are sponsors. Again, I talked about the Lenders One conference we had in Phoenix. Jack is here as a result of his presentation, and also the Mortgage Collaborative, which I was at the two weeks following in Miami. And that was another one of the conferences. And if both of these two conferences they're organized presents how different these two organizations are, but yet they serve the basic need. Let's get lenders and vendors together in a smaller, more intimate setting and talk about your businesses in a way that you cannot anticipate or get from being a part of the National MBA now you should belong to the National MBA that's number one don't put off being a member of the co-ops without being a member of the MBA let's make that certain but if you're a member of the MBA then join one or I recommend both these co-ops you'll get something out of it also total expert it's an outstanding leading fintech software company that delivers purpose-built CRM and customer engagement for the modern financial institution when they talk about purpose Bill, you've got to go back and listen to the interview I did with Joe you On March 14th, I I've met Joe at the Mortgage Collaborative Conference in Miami. Man, they've got a vision. These guys are unstoppable. You've got to check them out. If you have another SDRM, it's probably serving you well, but you've got to check out what Total Expert is doing. Also, Knowledge Coop, Ken Perry. We did a podcast on Friday. Go listen to the special podcast. Ken Perry and I caught up and talked about his new Knowledge Coop that serves the mortgage industry and others. So I am excited to have as a sponsor, Mobility MMI and Modex, both of these companies help you with finding top recruits in the various markets that you serve, as well as SnapDocs to get their tools and their support. They do a great job to implement e-mortgage technology effectively. And with SnapDocs, the e-mortgage quick start program is something you got to check out. Go listen to the interview we did on March 28th with Brianna Ings. That's a great interview. Enjoyed that a lot. Love her energy. Smart lady. Also, Success Kit, find a way to communicate with your audience. Use the words of someone else. I love that proverb, let another mouth praise you, not that of your own. That's what Success Kit does. Great job. Get a hold of Julian Lumpkin. Go listen to the interview to learn more about this product by going to the interview we did with him on January 10th of this year, at the beginning of the year. Also, Lender Toolkit, Brett Brumley and Brent Emler. These two guys are so much fun, but the product that they offer, what they're doing at Lender Toolkit, guys, is so innovative. They're right there with Form Free. What Brent Emler is doing as far as setting up and how we communicate, you gotta check out these companies, guys. They're they're amazing. We're so excited to have these sponsors with us. Also DW Consulting, Debbie Weemus. I love Debbie and what she helps you do and create a really good LinkedIn profile. So you got your best foot forward at all times. Also, a special thank you goes out to Rob, Les, Alice, Alan, Matt, and Jack. Hey, let's get over to start off with the MBA Mortgage Minute with the Rob Van Rap Horse and see what he has for us. Rob?
2: Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, the Biden administration released its FY 2023 budget proposal. The administration requested $71.9 billion for HUD. This was a 9% increase from FY 2022. Notable line items included $35 billion over seven years for a new housing supply fund, $100 million for a down payment assistance initiative, $15 million in subsidies to support a $3.4 billion pilot program related to loans with equity-accelerating features and funding to further support technology and system upgrades. The president's budget proposal is simply a blueprint of the administration's priorities provided to Congress as it begins its budget and appropriations process. And finally, be sure to check out MBA's National Advocacy Conference April 26th through the 27th in Washington, D.C. To register, go to mba.org slash conferences. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me.
0: Good job, Rob. Always love the Rob Van Horse report from the NBA. There's so much going on. Be sure to join the MBA if you're not a member. Also, you do not have to be a member to have your voice heard on the Hill. Thanks to the MBA, it's creating something called the Mortgage Action Alliance app. They created an app. We call it Maw Mortgage Action Alliance. But they do a great job of getting our voice heard. We're not the biggest industry out there compared to the Relative Association. And they have such a large voice out there in the marketplace and on the Hill. The MBA works real hard to be synced up with all the other trade groups related to housing. But sometimes we have different interests. So I would encourage you to make sure you have your voice heard on the Hill, as in Washington, D.C., as in the Capitol Hill, by getting and using the Mortgage Action Alliance app. They do a great job. Check it out. Hey, let's get into what Lester has with the TM Spotlight and this week's macro view of the markets. TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging
1: easy, Shock through EU, and oils to flame. He gives oil a bad name. As expected, 255 brought in aggressive buying and the 10-year yield dropped to 230 in one week. A firm dollar and cratering oil fueled the move to lower rates. The war in Ukraine grinds on with pain on both sides, indicating a negotiated settlement happens. But Zelensky and EU leaders think the U.S. wants to drag out the war. So are Biden's sanctions designed to heat oil so he can cool it with green money and policies? Maybe, since it's not working. Oil's down 15% in one week. Joe gives oil a bad name. These views are my own. Avoid getting slapped by a
0: good or bad actor at TMSpotlight.com. Good job. If you want to sign up for the TM Spotlight newsletter, the paid version, be sure to put in the word power. Anyway, we have with us the very exciting and dynamic personality of Matt Graham, founder and CEO of the MBS Live with his market update. Good to have you here along with all of your wisdom that we find on MBSLive.net. Bat. good to have you,
3: friend. Hey, good to be here, Dave. I'll try to bring yes. some wisdom to the uh, podcast, too, and I'll leave it all on MBS Live today.
0: No problem. Well, you got a lot of wisdom up there. Target rich environment. Well, last <laughs> Monday, we talked about the Treasury. We hit the high. And then overnight, a week ago, Sunday night, we saw the futures trading at 2.555. And then it opened up at 535 as the high, 2.535, I think was the highest. I went on a podcast with one of the guys I've appeared on Fox Business Channel with, and I was on their podcast going to try to get he and his partner in on our podcast. He interviewed me, where's interest rates going? And I said, is it possible? It could be that we saw the high watermark on interest rates for the year with the 10-year treasury. And so it's interesting. But I thought that was encouraging just at the possibility. You think, well, what about all the Fed rate hikes? So Matt, what do you got for us? Run through your overview of the markets and then let's get back to that. Are we at the high? Well, could sure
3: thing. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. So real quick, uh, last week was definitely a great week in many respects. It was the best week for bonds since early March and uh, arguably the best organic week of 2022. And what do I mean by organic? Uh, that's a term that I like to use. And I think some other people probably use it too, to describe movement that occurs for reasons that aren't artificial. And uh, I guess if we're thinking about an artificial reason, it would be like, the war in Ukraine breaking out, and that creating a big flight to safety, uh, a safe haven bid for the bond market. And so although some of last week's rally is attributable to that sort of stuff, it wasn't anywhere near on the same scale as it was in late February, early March. And those were really the only other weeks of 2022 that were comparable to last week. So it was the first big green candlestick on a candlestick chart that we've had in 2022 other than the one that coincided with the uh, outbreak of the war. So that is good. The cost for that was that yields had to rise to 2.55 in terms of 10. And that is always going to create more relative buying demand. As we've talked about the past several weeks, the higher yields move and the faster they get there, the more that we are creating momentum building up in the other direction, an oversold condition that could give way to buying momentum or even value buying, if you will. So it does come with a cost, but to see it happen, to see it play out is a good thing. The first four days of the week were the best four days of the week. And then Friday, things pulled back a little bit. So actually, before we get to Friday, we'll talk about a few things that happened earlier in the week. Same thing and and something that is sort of a topic of conversation at the mortgage and real estate cocktail parties is home prices still climbing year over year. So both Case-Shiller and FHSA yep. were out with their uh, update, their monthly update. And most people know this, but if you don't, it's good to talking point to have in your toolkit. Those reports have a, a fair amount of lag. That's for the month of January when rates were first starting to rise. Plus, those transactions are closing in January, meaning they were locked or in process well before the rate spike. And that's One of the reasons that when we do actually see uh, rate spikes affect home prices, that it takes anywhere from four to seven months from the first big rate spike to the point that it shows up in the economic data. It should also be noted that we don't always see rate spikes correspond to drops in price appreciation. It should also be noted that we're not saying that it makes prices go lower. We're saying it it slows the pace of price appreciation. And that's very much in line with pretty much everybody's forecast for the rest of the year. Nobody expects homes to be able to continue to appreciate at 18 to 20% forever. Obviously, that's not going to be sustainable. And it's already been sustainable longer than a lot of people expected. So the baseline forecast is still for that to come down. And we're definitely going to be able to point to Higher rates is a culprit for that, but I think it's probably something that would be happening on its own anyway fairly soon just because there's only so many 20% year-over-year gains you can have month in and month out before uh, people are out of money to buy houses. So those are the talking points on home price appreciation. Give it some time. We'll see the curve start to flatten a little bit there. So weakness on Friday, bonds lost some ground. It was also NFP Friday, the big jobs report. So was it the jobs report that hurt bonds? No, not at all. In fact, bonds really don't care about the jobs report very much these days. Jobs report Friday is always going to be an important trading day because whether or not the market is focused on the actual labor market implications, it always serves as the sort of cool place to be and to initiate new trading ideas or to capitalize on on extra liquidity and volatility on uh, NFP Friday. And also happened to be the first trading day of a new month. And that created some interesting dynamics. And that new month dynamic probably accounts for more of the weakness than any trading ideas that were surrounding the jobs report or capitalizing on that jobs report volatility. Specifically, Mm -hmm. the narrative in general is something like this. We have month-end trading coming into the end of March, also quarter-end trading, and investors needing to hold a certain mix of bonds And based on the entire quarter, first quarter of 2022, and that created extra bond buying demand relative to what we otherwise might be seeing if traders were simply trading based on what they thought the future direction of rates would be. So that could explain some of the uh, positivity through the course of the week. And then on Friday, they would no longer be beholden to those requirements to have those bonds on their books and thus sellers would be a bit more in control. Very notably, most of the weakness on Friday was in place before the jobs report. And by the end of the day, yields had actually fallen below those opening levels. So the jobs report not only had no impact on rates by the end of the day, but if you were going to say it had an impact, the day ended up being positive relative to opening levels. So it was actually a decent day, one that sort of served to confirm the recent sideways range, or at least begin to confirm it. Now this week, we have rates opening up fairly flat. And so hope is still alive for that 2.55 ceiling for a broader bond market consolidation. I think the average analyst or trader is not necessarily betting on that, but they're entertaining it as an outside chance. It's a possibility. It's the first real possibility we've had so far in 2022. What else do we have? Coming up this week, Fed and more Fed. Wednesday afternoon, FOMC minutes. These are the minutes from the meeting that occurred three weeks ago. A more detailed account of that meeting. That'll Will be Wednesday at 2 p.m. And market participants will, of course, be curious to see what the discussion is like as it concerns balance sheet normalization. So this is how the Fed will let bond buying efforts roll off the balance sheet by capping reinvestment amounts for both Treasuries and MBS. Of special interest to our industry is the MBS-specific nature of what the Fed is probably talking about. Uh, we know they're talking about returning to a Treasury-only portfolio. Curious to see how they're going to go about that. It's going to be hard for them to sell MBS in this environment but it will be very easy for them to cap reinvestments and let MBS roll off naturally. And so they may end up just going with a very aggressive roll off strategy. The bond market is already planning on seeing something like that fairly soon. So it's going to be hard to surprise MBS too much. Spreads have widened out quite a bit. they could widen out a bit more. They probably will by the time normalization is done. If they have widened 50 to 60 basis points so far, uh, we're personally at MBS Live thinking maybe another 20 to 30 over the course of this year as normalization begins uh, as sort of a baseline. But there's some variability in there. ISM non-manufacturing on Tuesday is the only other semi-interesting piece of uh, calendar data this week. And there really aren't any other major economic reports. Still, Ukraine-related trading can go on. And that's a double-edged sword. Oh, yeah. And this also goes back to last week, too. What I saw at the beginning of last week was a series of headlines regarding what we now have confirmed, which is Russia pulling out of most of Western and, and Northern Ukraine and going back to the separatist territories and fighting the war there. And at first, those headlines were taken as some sort of sign of a impending ceasefire. And when that was happening, we were seeing oil prices move lower fairly precipitously. And we were also interestingly seeing bond yields move lower. And the reason that's interesting is because you would think a de-escalation in the war Would be bad for bonds because it would promote light to quality in stock. And here's the super interesting thing, David, is that if we break out 10 year yields in terms of their nominal yield and their inflation only component, or their inflation free component, I should say, uh, then we get the inflation only component, otherwise known as market based inflation expectations or tips break evens for the 10 year inflation, treasury inflation protected securities. So we actually see those inflation free yields. Mm did not rally. They didn't move lower in line with the rest of the bond market. They were, if anything, slightly higher on the week. Nominal yields moved lower because inflation expectations moved lower. Now, they're still higher than any other time before March 7th, but they're much lower than they were on March 25th. So before the start of last week, and that is what accounts for that treasury rally. It was all inflation related, all the inflation component and inflation free yields actually were slightly higher, indicating that a lot of the fear that was being priced into the market surrounding the Ukraine situation has been priced out. And now we're just waiting to see if this indeed can be a ceiling around 2.55, but that's going to depend on what happens in Ukraine and uh, what happens with incoming inflation data in the U.S. and what the Fed has to say about all of it on Wednesday afternoon, which is, of course, a look back three weeks ago, but it'll be new information for the markets anyway.
0: Yeah, we're looking for any indication and that's what the markets do. And that's why people need to have a service like yours, Matt, because to stay on top of all of it, it's so dynamic when someone says something that seems to be indicating something other than a drive that's anticipated or that's in the market, They can move so quickly and we've seen the adjustments quickly. So, but anyway, let's talk a little bit about the Treasury. You touched on it. What would be factors when we've seen all the announcements out there, the Feds can raise, 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 consistently going all up to control inflation, even though it's government-sponsored, government-induced inflation as far as I'm concerned. And now look at this new spending bill that was just talked about and go like, are you serious? I mean, golly. Matt, what are the conditions in which we would see interest rates possibly be at the max?
3: So I'll push back just a little bit on the political angle and and bring some balance to it from my own point of view, which is that I do think that there is a fiscal ask to uh, inflation that we've seen domestically. I think most of that has to do with the cash payments that occurred with the COVID relief, new spending bill. Obviously, anytime we're putting you know more money into the economy and and uh, financing more in terms of Treasury debt, there is going to be some impact on inflation. I think that with inflation being as global as it is right now, that by and large, the consensus that nobody's really put a percentage on it, I don't think anybody really could. But I think a large portion of it has to do with supply chain shocks. And just the fact that we had a just-in-time economy, we have for quite some time. And so when you put as big of a disruption into that as you did in 2020, we're still catching up with that. And of course, if we have material or labor shortages, which we know we do, then that's only going to add to that. And I think things may have been on a path to leveling off better in terms of inflation before the Ukraine thing and and then energy prices and food prices around the world. not as big of an issue for the US, but it's a massive issue for Africa and the East. And it just sent shockwaves both in terms of actual price inflation and then also price inflation fears that cause markets to uh, adjust their forward-looking expectations for what things might cost and it just threw a big wrench in the works. So that is one of the things that could help answer this question of whether we've seen a ceiling is the extent to which those inflation expectations can come under control. That'll have something to do with foreign central bank policies and the Fed. By the Fed's own admission, and a little bit of an ironic thing to think about right now is they have previously said, we can't do much to control inflation because it's this supply-driven thing. But, oh, by the way, we still gotta be really aggressive hiking rates so we can control inflation. As I said, I think last week or the week before, they can't sit on their hands and do nothing. They have to adjust policy in, in such a way it looks like they're fighting this. But how much will that help in the short term? I don't know. I think it's still an issue of the supply chain stuff having to work itself out, yeah, you could get a little bit of a bump here and there from uh, fiscal stuff. And we've certainly seen that in the past, but not just for spending, also for like the tax bill. There was, you know, a concern about a decrease in revenue that also was inflationary as we'd have to issue more treasury debt to pay for stuff. So there's two different ways to approach that from the government standpoint, but I don't want to give either side of the aisle too much credit for being able to do too much about the inflation that we're currently seeing. I'm with you. I think that it's better to spend less than to spend more. But the big bogeyman as far as the global market is concerned is the supply chain. As far as yields at 2.5, give or take, inflation and the Fed, those would be the, the big two. I think once the market's definitely priced in a vast majority of what they think the Fed's going to do, every big move higher is another great chance for things to level off. And we might need a few more, but we might not. So we have a little yep. bit of a chance to, might not need a few more, but uh, if we do see a little bit more, then it takes us one step closer. Maybe it's 2.75. Either yep. way, uh, <laughs> one would hope we're getting pretty close, and I, I think we're probably getting reasonably close at this point.
0: I agree with you 100%. Man, we could go on and on about this. Matt, thanks so much. Appreciate you. And so anyway, I thought you did a good job, and your service is amazing. And so I should make sure you say if you want to sign up for the net, be sure to use the LOL and the sign-up code and give you an extended trial period without a credit card. Good job, Matt. Appreciate you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Dave, you, too. you bet, But Let's get over to Alice Alvey. Alice Alvey is CMB Vice President of Education and Training at our favorite union home mortgage, the one and only union home mortgage. And here's the legislative update. Alice, so good to have you here.
4: Thanks, Dave. So I have some good news at the end of my report. I'm going to save it for the end, but I'm going to start with I know everybody was super excited when they saw that the guide to Humda reporting, getting it right, is now available. I know that there were a lot of people waiting for this to be published, as well as the Humda data is out there, a lot of great stuff within the Humda data for sales. So that's usually a a great dissect to dump into your databases and try and figure out what homeowners you're going to go after. So, but just a heads up, that was I always laugh when that comes out. I'm like, okay, they're just the compliance officers are excited about getting that one. (laughs) Yeah, they're the only ones going. Yeah. Well, by the way, for all of you out there who don't have to do anything with the Home Mortgage Disclosure Act annual reporting, the next time you see the person at your company who has to do that, just thank them so that you don't have to do it. But then there's the other thing I wanna point out is neighborhood watch numbers, uh, watch those closely. One of the indicators that uh, we've been talking about is if your forbearance rate is 50% or less of what is sitting out there in your neighborhood watch delinquencies, you should be careful because HUD, most lenders out there, most of their uh, delinquencies that are causing their compare ratios to be a little higher is due to the loans that are in forbearance. And so if you're below that 50 mark, then you're out of the norm for what HUD is expecting. And if you've got that in combination with a high compare ratio, uh, you will possibly be on HUD's radar. So just a heads up there that that's a component now to put with it. The other thing is just heads up with CFPB and getting that second appraisal. There's some issues in the market, it seems, um, as we're all dealing with inflationary home prices and even in refinances, consumers wanting to get a second appraisal. So in a purchase it's a different world, you can usually go, well, I shouldn't say usually, but many times you can go out and get some better data, but just a heads up for your appraiser independence that and that you're following those policies closely, remembering that to get that second appraisal, you really need to have a solid, bona fide pre- or post-funding appraisal Ooh. review and QC process and solid underwriting guidelines around it and you've got to stick to the requirements that the agency set up. So it can't just be, hey, it came in low, the borrower wants more cash out, or whatever your circumstance, especially in your refides, be super careful. So just a heads up on that one, a new thing that CFPB has on their radar. So last but not least, my good news, it's just about time to get HUD's first quarter report on the Mutual Mortgage Insurance Fund, and maybe Mm -hmm. we will finally have enough history under our belt that we will get reduced FHA premiums. Can't guarantee it because HUD can always mess with the numbers with the lower volumes and all the shift in the market, but they've got a lot of cash. And so there are some folks out there right now who are thinking, cross your fingers, maybe once we get this quarter's data we can see a change in FHA annual and or upfront premiums. It'll be interesting to see how any change they make would compare to agency LLPAs, but we'll have to wait and see. So maybe that's the little bump in the market we all would like to see to get maybe. some more FHA loans in the door. Yeah. <coughs> so that's my yeah. report for today, Dave.
0: Good job, Alice. That'll be very, very good. So if you want to listen to all of Alice's segments, so many people want to go back because she does give a lot of information quickly. Go to the website, look at on. Lenny.com and look under the podcast and you'll see a drop-down menu and you can see all of Alice's segments. Just hers. Alice, thanks so much for being here. Be sure to greet your husband Andy. He's such an awesome guy and sorry to hear he got caught in the Florida weather situation. That was so bad. But Dave travels to him as he journeys home. Appreciate you so much. Appreciate you both. Let's get over to Alan Pollock who's here with a tech update. I got a whole bunch of fun stuff.
1: I, I always bring up something funny. Here's a tweet that somebody did about technology and they said 99 little bugs in the code, 99 little bugs in the code. Take one down, patch it around 117 little bugs in the code. (laughs) So we all know how, we all know how software goes. So yeah, if you are talking to your software vendors and you need to add a little humor to a conversation, that's not going to be so great. You may want to, pass it around and add a couple bugs to the code. Alice, uh, great market update. David, I'm trying to buy a home, and not only is the amount of people bidding on homes just absolutely crazy, there is a flurry of homes in the last two weeks that came on the market. But with interest Mm -hmm. rates going up, your payment, depending on the cost or the price of the home, does go up, I'd say, oh man, $500 or more. And so that does make a big difference. The other thing to keep in mind, is that the people that have listed higher than they should are artificially making it look like our industry, real estate, has a price reduction or if values are dropping. They're not. It's just that people are asking for too much. Realtors are letting them do it or they're being waived completely and they're coming down because more properties are finally hitting the market. Not enough to change, I think, where everything's at. So technology plays a big role, but I don't think it's playing enough. And I think we're still a little bit of the wild west, if you want my honest opinion. Demand is kind of creating the world. Yeah, it's it pretty, tough out there for folks like me trying to buy a property. All right, let's move on. DocuSign, they're now offering fully digital mortgage experience, okay, with rooms for mortgage notaries. And it's really cool. A friend of mine actually started a notary business recently, and he did his first one. He was like, man, you should see how many pages I had to print out and all this fun stuff. So they they started this business and they, they were saying, Oh, isn't it? It's just crazy. I had to print out so many documents. And then the title agent was mad at me because I tried to print too many copies. So I had it for everyone prepared. And I, I told them my, my friend's name is Mike. I said, Mike, you got to start looking to go digital. That was many years ago, 10, 20 years ago, and I don't know how much longer that will last. But DocuSign, if you have someone that is a notary or someone that wants to become a digital notary, DocuSign has a program now. You want to check it out, but they're doing digital rooms, which is really smart. Let's move on. Mortgage Cooper, David. Mortgage Cooper and Sageit, we all know who they are. They produced a cloud-native mortgage servicing platform, but get how they structured the deal. This is the coolest part. And I know some lenders... Some of you folks even not listening on the podcast have done this before. So Mr. Cooper has completed, it's previously announced, so they had mentioned this in the past, agreement with Sagent, And under the terms of this agreement to create this cloud-native platform. Sagent has purchased the intellectual property rights from Mr. Cooper, and Mr. Cooper has received an equity stake in Sagent and this platform and appointed two directors to Sagent's board. So not only do they get to probably use the technology, they get to see the technology grow and expand and make it out to the general market, which brings more innovation and ideas from everybody else, but they also get to become a part of this. So really interesting. Other deals in our industry happen this way. The Mortgage Technology Conference, which is happening in two weeks, is exactly where right. these deals get drawn up. So if you're going to be out there, I'll be there as well. Please reach out. Love to meet with you. But that is in two weeks in Las Vegas, April 11th, it starts. David, another quick item, Staircase, the new technology, and they're giving lenders more third-party services. So think about this. You can integrate with Zapier, right? And Zapier integrates you to many other systems. Right. But in the mortgage industry, sometimes you have to waterfall different services and vendors. So you as a lender can integrate the Staircase after you've completed that, they have what they call click-to-deploy technology that lets you as the lender access a wide number of third-party services, and you can waterfall them. And actually, it's so funny. I had this exact conversation with Jack many, many years ago about risk mitigation and having multiple vendors. They weren't, when Jack and I were talking, set up in a waterfall process, but Staircase does that. They're saying that they also reduce the contract time, the negotiation of costs with these vendors. They've got this entire platform. The result is an average reduction of 20 minutes, by the way, in loan processing with each vendor mm. and a reduction of four to six days in application to closing time, which David lets me end today on this question, which we'll talk about next week, because I'm going to come back right before digital mortgage next week with a bunch of info we should talk about. Yeah. What is a digital mortgage? What is it, right? It's not the digital mortgage conference, by the way. It's NBA tech. I don't know why I said that, but what is a digital mortgage? You and I have talked about this so many times. We've had people I'm on this kidding. platform on our podcast talk about mm-hmm. it. What is it? Has it changed? It's is it still been, the same yeah. thing? What are we even focused on anymore? Has, has, so we'll has, yeah, has that, that
0: whole week. concept moved? I can't wait. Yeah. We always think of digital as the e-mortgage technology. Snapdocs is, again, a leader, one of our sponsors, others out there doing it. But that's really interesting. Has the definition moved or have we, again, started presuming we have a good definition? That'll be good. Yeah, we ease well, it yeah. up. it Have everyone come know. back next week
1: for you. Absolutely. That's just good. like we redefined uh, just now what a digital mortgage is. I'm just redefining what I said last week. I talk about this week, which is a bunch of different things that I'm kind of saying we need to be focusing on. And I think they're right aligned with what digital mortgage is. So next week, don't miss it.
0: Uh, We're going to talk. Can't wait. Very good. Like a politician. If, if what you said last week isn't popular, just change it and reframe it. Well, what I meant was and then go 180 degrees. You won't do that, though. You're consistent all the time. Thank you so much, Alan. Very, very much. We got to wrap up the first half of the podcast. But before we do, let's get over to my co-host, Jack. Uh, anything you want to comment on? We got to move on quickly, but. Real quick, any thoughts on the first half of the podcast? Well, just a quick comment, David. May should be an interesting month for those of us who are Fed watchers. I expect May is when Jerome Powell is going to start putting some color around his balance sheet management strategy as a potential market mover on the near-term horizon. So my only really comment. Uh, thanks. Good, 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 good stuff. Good, good stuff. Always bring a little extra comments that give us nothing to have our eyes focused on. Good job. Well, that ends this week's weekly mortgage update. Brian Montgomery will be here next week. We're going to catch up with him on a pre recorded basis. So Brian and I will catch up. I'll try to get uh, Jack Nunnery to join me on that interview. We'll try to make it as dynamic as possible, but it'll be fun. Folks, be sure to come back. Brian Montgomery with us next week. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, Lenders One, Mobility MMI, Modix, the MBA, Knowledge Coop, Mortgage Collaborative, Snapdoc Success Kit, Lender Toolkit, Total Expert, Form Free. And we're so grateful most of all for you, our listeners, tuning in and sharing this podcast with others. I was at a Black Knight function at the conference and I was talking to Mike Brown and he said, you know what, Dave, I think it's required listening here at Black Knight. A lot of people are required to listen to your podcast because the amount of information. So Mike, thanks for that shout out. And we give you a shout out back. Folks have a great rest of your week. Look forward to having you back next week with our regular podcast and with our special guest, Brian Montgomery. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to Licken on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Licken of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.